You are listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard right there some Witch's Hammer on CITR, a brand new release from Witch's Hammer on the Supreme Echo record label. And now, now is the time to unveil the yes, I have Witch's Hammer on the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show live now today. But before we get to Witch's Hammer, let's hear some more Witch's Hammer. Again, Witch's Hammer from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada has been reissued by Jason Flowers, Supreme Echo record label so let's hear let's hear let's hear actually subliminally i said let's hear because they are metal they're vancouver's true metal act metal so let's hear let's hear some more brand new reissued witches hammer and then an interview with witches hammer on an ardoir the human serviette radio show This is pretty, 
pretty cool, but according to the computer, this says Zenjiva and Steve Albini. We're using the computer right now, so let me erase, let me erase those particular tracks right now. We have gone, and then gone, and then that's gone. Actually, that's not gone totally because I am not doing this exactly right. And right now, we are joined by Jason. And Jason is the record label that put out, that put out the actual recordings of The Witch's Hammer. And I've been playing some recordings from Witch's Hammer right now. And Jason, are you there? Jason, are you there? Are you I there? am here. Are you there? What I would say right now is I unfortunately played some Zen Jiva and Steve Albini instead of Witch's Hammer. Well, it's uh, great stuff. Which is totally appreciated from people like you. But I think we should move into some Witch's Hammer again because I played some Witch's Hammer to begin with, but I had a slight interlude with some other music but what can you say right now as we prepare for witch's hammer which witch's hammer doing the song mortalis what can you say about this song right here so this is the opening track on their debut uh vinyl appearance their debut 12 inch ep and uh it sees them you know taking on shorter songs a new direction and hey witch's hammer are the very first the birthplace of extreme underground metal and they're, in Vancouver. and they're coming up on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show.
listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show, and they are here! Who are you? Marco. From? Witch's Hammer. Witch's Hammer! The traditional sodomizer of the goddess of perversity? Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> that um, is your handle. It used to be. And Marco, who else is in Witch's Hammer, and who else is here? Right at the moment? Okay, so uh, Ray Crude is the vocalist. Jesse James is the new guitar player who's taken Mike Death's place. Um, AJ Kovar is playing bass, replacing Steve Withrow. And Steve Sind is playing drums. And who is that guy right there? Yes. Jason Flowers. Jason Flower! And unfortunately, during the intro for Witches... What did we hear from Witches Hammer? What did we just hear? Well, we heard Tulsa Doom. From the brand new Supreme Echo release. That's right. Here it is. And actually, I was going to say, we did play, unfortunately, some Steve Albini in between. We mixed you up with Steve Albini. Have you ever been confused? Has Witches Hammer ever been confused with other bands? No. Just right off the bat. Never. And where are you from? I'm from here. Uh, where's which is Hammer from? North Delta. North Delta. Yeah. And you have a brand new release on the Supreme Echo record label. Mm-hmm. And what is that picture of? Because it's an amazing picture. It's an amazing cover photo. Again, this is Witch's Hammer, original Vancouver. And I said wrong. I said it wrong, didn't I? I what? said wrong. You you said death metal, and I said no, no, no. Don't do not make make that mistake on the air. Has, speed metal. Speed metal. Has Jason learned you? Has he learned you the history of painted faces? Because Jason is into <laughs> like Twitch, and you have been playing in occasionally in blasphemy, I and you had some face paint. Back in the day. What is the difference between Twitch and blasphemy and Witch's Hammer? Well, blasphemy originally was a. A different take on what was coming out as black metal, right? And so we incorporate a certain look to go along with that. A little bit, uh, you know, shaved our heads and kind of tried to differentiate, differentiate ourselves from um, the other. I tend to think of sarcophago. Like when I see your look and image, I always wondered if that was an influence for you, you back know, then. You um, know, in a sense, but it was more so uh, like when, when Black Winds, when Jerry... Uh, I was talking. I met him actually, talking about his idea for blasphemy um, sometime in the mid '80s, and he said, "I have this plan. I have this idea, and it's going to be different. It's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit more aggressive. It's going to look the same way as it sounds." Mm. And I was like, "Cool. Okay, let's check this out." And sure enough, they did. Yeah, they were very aggressive, very menacing, and they bombastic and just explosive. Right? They weren't these skinny little kids with long hair. Mm-hmm. Right, they were very East End. But I was curious, Marco. Now that you're on Supreme Echo, also home of Twitch, what has Jason told you about the band Twitch? They're the first band in Canada to wear face paint. Were they pre-blasphemy? <laughs> I told you anything about? I don't this. think he's told me anything. Go Do ahead, you know Jason. anything about Twitch? Do you know anything about Twitch? Only that they're a band. Yeah. Or were so they band. wore they wore corpse paint. They actually predated Kiss, but they, it was corpse paint it wasn't like you know Starman and Loverboy or right. anything like that it wasn't the glam years no well it was in that era but it was in 1973 yeah but back to Witch's Hammer an amazing reissue on Supreme Echo what is going on in this photo the photo could you describe it to the listeners and what is going on in the cover photo for your reissue okay so this photo represents a time in the late 70s 
when uh, it's it's a different uh, look of Vancouver's the city. Obviously, it's, it's looking up Granville Street. Yes, the destruction of it, and you know, of course, they're building. But for me, but for me. What it represents is that time, that change. The 60s are dead. There's a much more menacing, aggressive style coming out. You know, the Bronx is burning at the time. And that smoke from Britain, the punk rock scene, and the, the, the New York scene is coming over into Vancouver. And that um, rubble, that uh, aggressiveness, that aggression, that um, almost a sense of hopelessness that kind of bred that new style of like, you know, punk rock which became hardcore punk and you know judas priest and black sabbath and these really almost depressive style heavy sounds that you know represented a, a, a complexion that i was really attracted to so when i'd go to the city and i'd see something like that and i'd see like doa with the anarchy sign and i was like very young and go like what is that i want a piece of that mm. and so that's that represents that but i'm interested in that particular photo where did you find that that one was just online i believe and what is it depicting? Um, just the, the reconstruction of the city. <laughs> what happened? They were digging up the street? Yes, they're digging up the street. They're, put, they're tearing down all the old buildings and putting up the new stuff. And I remembered you, Witch's Hammer. We were speaking to Marco from Witch's Hammer. And I say Witch's Hammer because I remember you on December 31st, 1985 wow. at the New York Theater when you played with DOA, right. Death Sentence, Shanghai Dog, mm -hmm. an industrial waistband, and Gerald Rattlehead from CITR Power Chord was up there introing you going, this is Witch's Hammer. This is Witch's his hammer and little did i know here you are back on citr it's amazing like gerald did a great intro could you explain gerald's role like i saw him going which is i mean i remembered you because the intro was so good what do you think of gerald rattlehead and metal ron who did this song power chord on citr and at that time it wasn't allowed immediately to be on citr citr was kind of like you're gonna have a metal show you're gonna have no wait we don't want metal but they broke through what was gerald role and how come I'm still remembering him going witch's hammer witch's hammer and do you remember that show of course I do for me that was a huge breakthrough it was a kid in the suburbs at the time you know we had no real um, way to break out from where we were uh, as a band and we were, weren't really trying to at the time either so when our demo had gotten to Gerald because there was none of this speed metal thrash metal yet I mean there wasn't even a phrase for it yet. there wasn't even a word for it there's no verbature or anything and so when he had contacted Ray and said hey I'd really like to come and check you guys out because we don't have anything like this in the city yet and he told us about CITR and Power Chord and we were listening we're like, wow this is cool right we'd been listening to Power Chord that's where we're getting all our new music from and he came all the way out from the East End to, to Delta to listen to us and the guys were headbanging and stuff like that and he said, I got a show for you. And we're like, a show? You know, we just barely started playing. I was like 15 years old at the time. And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to play with Exciter and Exodus and Sacred Blade and Metal Church. And we're like, what? Are you kidding me? And he goes, yeah, you're going to do that. So we played our asses off, played our asses off. And at the end of it, he goes, you guys are in, you guys are in. So then we came into the interview here. Well, it was a different part of the building at the time. A different building, yes, completely. completely. And we went up on stage and we played. Uh, the first local speed metal band at that time, I guess we would have been called, to play in the city with Exciter. And it was, for me, just 
massive. So Gerald, for me, is a huge catalyst to my introduction into the music scene and the radios. At, at that time, radio was huge. So that whole alternative scene, which grew into what we see now is a massive, massive metal scene. Like there's a thousand bands. You couldn't even like count them, right? So Gerald was the guy that brought, you know, and he's the guy that introduced like Iron Maiden and everybody, every, everybody to the, you know, here's Exciter, here's um, Creator, here's Exodus, Destruction. He was the guy that was always on top of what was coming in the city and introduced us to all the new sounds. So that's, he's very important. On December 31st, 1985, that's when I saw you, I was seeing DOA on New Year's Eve, and little did I know that Witch's Hammer were going to open up and Gerald was going to do the intro, and it was a hard audience, too. Like, what do you remember about Gerald stepping on stage and introing you? It was a hard audience. Well, he, he, he wanted to do it. Like, he'd done it. Had he done it first? No, I think that was the first time he'd done it for us. He might have done it at the uh, Kennedy Hall before that. Actually, he did. He came out, you know, and he goes, this is witches, bleep, bleep, hammer, you know, and, ah, that kind of thing, right? And so he was doing that at a few of our early shows. That show with DOA, I love that show because those crossover shows were really important because the crossover shows, the metal bands, kids basically, that were breaking away from that glam scene that didn't like the punk kids and they didn't like the hardcore kids and they didn't like us because, you know, this, they're like, oh, that's crap, right? Mm. You know, and, looking at us as more and calling us a punk rock band. So we were like, well, you know, screw you guys. We're going to steal your Led Zeppelin and <laughs> Nazareth cool and plow you under. We're, we're with these guys now, you know, un you know, unfortunate for you. So we started playing with bands like DOA, Verbal Abuse, SNFU. Descendants. Like I came, Descendants and I actually came to see DOA and Descendants and I saw you, Witch's Hammer. And the great thing about them is rather than being... The, okay, it was really, they would, I remember the first time we played with Verbal Abuse. They stood there and they just looked at us, these long-haired kids. What the hell are they doing here? And then slowly the arms came out and they were like, you know what? Cool. And they liked it. They, they told us we were good. And they started inviting us to shows. Where with, with, the, with the metal bands and the hard rock bands, they wouldn't touch us with a 10-foot pole. But the punk bands would invite us to come play in the East End right where it all comes from anyways that's where creation breeds right the underground that's where it changes right if you stagnate and you peak and you don't want to change and you don't want to look at new sounds well sorry man it ain't gonna last you got a short shelf life Mm. What about the history of heavy metal in Vancouver? Like in Vancouver, Jason had mentioned Twitch, but what about Thor, the metal god Thor? What do you think about the history? Did Were you aware when you did Witch's Hammer? We were speaking to Marco from Witch's Hammer. What do you think of the history? Did you know about Thor? Did you know about the legends of Canadian heavy metal in Vancouver? Yeah, I did. I was really into it. I followed it all. I followed all the metal bands. If I could, you know, I was a kid at the time. I would get on the bus and go see whoever's playing. If I could go see Sacred Blade or Black Knight. I didn't get to see Thor because I was too young to see him in his heyday. But, you know, I had the records. Have you seen him since? Yes. What do you think? Hey, you know, he's doing what he likes to do. It's amazing. He's yeah. still rocking. Yeah, exactly. He's doing what he wants to do, so good on him. Yeah, he tried to retire, but he couldn't. I think he enjoys it retire. so much, you know. Yeah. He is still out there, and he was embraced, too, by the CBGB crowd, the punk magazine crowd, and the metal crowd. It's an amazing crossover. 
Which, which is Hammer? Recently, I discovered the band from Gambia, some uh, actually from Zambia, some Zamrock, and they were called Witch, and they, it was an acronym for the band We Intend to Cause Havoc. Witch, did you ever think of an acronym for Witch's Hammer? No. We Intend to <laughs> Cause Havoc. I, I thought that was amazing. That's bloody awesome. <laughs> They're a bloody awesome band, too. <laughs> What do you think about the suburban metal scene? The suburban metal. Like, for instance, like, what do you think about the suburban metal scene? Um, like, you mentioned, like, Black Knight and Cradle in East, in East Delta in 83. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the suburban metal scene? Now or then? Back mean? then. Like, that was pretty cool. That Very those cool. bands in the suburbs. Yeah. Well, the thing that was cool about it is they put so much into their shows, like, you know, back then they would do like the circuit, which was high schools, right? Um, where you could go see Heart or someone like this, you know, touring all the high schools, right? And so you'd see a band like Sacred Blade or Black Knight, you know, they'd have a big damn castle with like dragons and fire and smoke. You know, it was, uh, it was unbe- unbelievable, yeah. you know. You know, this morning I was thinking about that Sacred uh, Blade LP. I think it's called Of the Sun and Moon. And I don't know if it's the back cover or the gatefold, but they're in the forest, which is totally BC and totally Canadian. But what's in the forest is a full-sized UFO. And I'm thinking, this is the early 80s. They built that thing and lugged it into the forest to do a photo in the middle of nowhere like (laughs) east delta hall in the middle of nowhere and we are live here with witch's hammer from where would you say like officially can i say vancouver because i i don't really want to say vancouver well people say vancouver but we're actually from north delta from north delta and actually this is on the occasion of a re-release of a whole bunch of your tunes on supreme echo and right now we're going to hear no Limits. What can I say about no limits? It's short and it's fast. And the lyrics uh, just basically talk about having no limits. And when was this recorded and has it been re-released? Yes, it has. Uh, That was recorded at Fiasco Brothers Studio. And thank you so much as well for bringing me this record in too. Two copies of the record. What is the difference between this record and the one Jason is putting out? Well, this one, these are from Nuclear War now. Great label. And this one is called Canadian Speed Metal. And it has our demos. This is our two demos on this one, right? With the demon guy. And this one is Stretching Into Infinity. And this is a 1988 album that we didn't release until NWN put it out in. Yeah, it was early on for 2005 or something like that, 2003. And and so he just re-released it again on red vinyl and, of course, black vinyl. And as well, a Witch's Hammer t-shirt. Thank you, Large. This is amazing. Some Witch's Hammer live on CITR Radio. And this is the song by Witch's Hammer called No Limits.
Dad, you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. And what did we just hear there, Marco? What did we just hear? Uh, and who are you, Marco? <laughs> I'm Marco from Witch's Hammer. And what did we We heard some Witch's Hammer. Yes. And we are right now joined by, who are you, caller? Who are you? I am Ray Prismic, verbal abuse for Witch's Hammer. Welcome to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Thank you. What is Witch's Hammer? What is Witch's Hammer? Who is Witch's Hammer? Could you explain? Could you tell the people about Witch's Hammer? Uh, chaos, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to uh, put into words. That's amazing that you say chaos, because as I mentioned, I discovered recently a Zamrock band called Witch, and their acronym stands for We Intend to Cause Havoc. So it's kind of like chaos. We intend to cause... But we intend to chaos havoc. That's amazing. And Ray, you are actually the singer. You were the screamer on that track we just played. Yes. I remember Correct. actually seeing you guys on New Year's Eve opening for DOA and Death Sentence, an industrial waistband. What do you remember about that show? Um, what do I remember about that show? Drinking all of DOA's beer. <laughs> and Jim get, would get real mad at us for doing it. And Norm running around trying to get them more beer. And what would I have seen if I went to the show? I mentioned to Marco that I saw Gerald Rattlehead do an amazing intro for you guys. But how did you look? How would you describe your look, Ray, when I saw you in 1985, December 31st, at the New York Theater? Uh Kind of scruffy, uh, leather jacket, long hair. We all tried to look like Motorhead back then, I think. Bullet belts, all that kind of stuff. And what about Marco? What did he look like? Are you uh, asking me or him? And I'm asking Ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Marco looked uh, a bit skinnier, mm. a bit younger, mm. not as wise. No. I noticed but, also... Uh, he was a genius. He still is. I noticed, Marco, you had a Mentors t-shirt. You had a Mentors t-shirt. Oh, it wasn't me. It was uh, Mike Death. You had a flying V, though. You I had a flying a v. v. Yes. From 67. Nothing wrong with that. From that. Where do you get that? A flying V. Where do you get a flying V from? Yeah. We get them anywhere. But it's not easy to get a flying V. Yes, it is. A Gibson Flying V. I got that Gibson 67 Flying V. I bought it off somebody. It was just gutted. It was old. It was destroyed. And I, it's a pretty, it's a piece of, it's like, it's like Frankenstein now. I've changed a lot of it. I had to put in all the new guts and shape it up a little bit. Ray, also, I mentioned a bit about the suburban hall scene that you guys were part of. And my friend Roger went and saw you at the Kennedy Hall in North Delta. One of, one, you played there quite a bit, didn't you? Uh, three or four times, yeah. And Roger, Roger, who I think actually contacted Marco in an email when I did my Halloween show a while back, uh, Roger said to me, this regarding the show, he said, the police came to shut down the show. A skinhead hit a cop. The police began swinging. A huge fight broke out. It's legendary. The liquor store across the street got robbed. My friends and I ran to an outdoor plaza nearby and a cop came came walking towards us, shouting, run! I remember walking into the gig and a punker guy frisking people. And he said, this guy, me, I'm too small. I can't have anything.
something and let me go by. The accused, because it was the accused playing, the accused drove up to the hall, chaos was everywhere, and they said, that's what's happening, and threw a demo to a friend of mine, and it had some AC, DC covers on it. Do you remember the Suburban Hall, Kennedy Hall shows? Did you ever play with the accused there? We played with the accused at the York Theatre after that show. We weren't on that bill that uh, your buddy's talking about, but uh, I was at that liquor store across the street while all that was going on. Yeah, we were all there. And the reason the, the reason the I think the cops busted the gig was because somebody had beer in the backstage and they phoned the police on him and then they showed up with riot gear and then chaos ensued. Mm-hmm. My friend tried to hide in a taco time, but the owners <laughs> kicked them out for being punks as a week before the punks had broken all the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, they broke the toilets? Oh, I know where this is going. In the taco time, did that happen at all at Witch's Hammer's gigs? If Was a successful gig if the toilet was broken? How come you didn't have to hide in a taco bell or a taco time? Well, that happened at a show in Victoria. I think Jason was there. I was. I was appalled. Yeah. I I. I mean, you couldn't have expected something like that. You walk into the bathroom, and the floor was flooded, and the urinals were also on the floor. Yeah, yeah they were all in pieces. I yeah. remember them coming out and like throwing them onto the floor and stuff like that. It was pretty funny. Actually, I have another clipping here. This is from, actually, a review. This is a review of a gig that you played the, the Del- from the Delta Zine Suburban Assault. I don't know if you remember that gig um the scene suburban assault and they reviewed a gig that you did on january 9th 1987 and the gig you played it was fratricide lethal virus witch's hammer the oxen as well from victoria mission of christ came out tight and fast while the singer twisted his contorted body all over the stage quite enjoyable the rest of there was more to come although they did not arrive until late most of them active glands came on and played very much a punk rock set do you remember active glands at all oh yeah yes, great band do you remember that uh, featuring Ron, rest in peace. He later went on to Cat's game. But then it yep. said, um, a definite highlight of the evening, Witch's Hammer, ended the bill playing their powerful speed metal, much to the delight of the meddlers in the crowd. Despite some people leaving, really late buses, the witches wrecked havoc, wreaked havoc on their remaining victims and closed the show really well. Of point was some of the beat of anyone who... Um, so, uh, of, so, uh, of, of point was some of the violence and damage that took place. There were some rowdies there. That type that used to beat anyone who looked different. But now, since it's cool, they just show up at the shows. Well, these types did their usual damage, fights, etc. We had no real bouncers. So these types pressed their views towards the idiots in the crowd, how lame they were. In other words, this guy, Drew and Mike, did an amazing review of Witch's Hammer. You went over great, don't you, Ray? Yeah, we um, we appealed to everybody, right? So, I mean, all we decided to do is do our best and entertain and wreak havoc, like I said before. But 
you know, the punks were there before any of the metal guys were. Like when we played punk shows with That's Rebel right. Abuse and Death Sentence, and That's right. they were they were really our first following. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the metal guys came on later, and then they started sort of shows in the suburb, suburbs and stuff at like Kennedy Hall and so on and so forth. So. Right. Which, appeal, back then it was it, it appealed to everybody because I mean you closed your eyes you couldn't when we played you couldn't tell if it was a punk band or a metal band really at that time yeah I agree what, yeah at the time yeah kind of like Motorhead at the time too yeah. and yeah, it, yeah. it's amazing you were accepted by these Tolo punks and a lot of metal what did the crowd think were the crowd waiting for you guys or did they like the punks as well did everybody mix up well the crowd would be had have been would have been very mixed so. Whoever you appeal, whoever your favorite band is, if you're there to see Active Glands or Fratricide, a more of a crossover band or Witch's Hammer, or there you go. I mean, you have a choice, right? And you yeah. can, you know, and and as long as everybody was cool, I mean, you're having a good time, right? And the scene was smaller too. It was a right? lot smaller than too, yeah. Dave Spicer put on a lot of those gigs, didn't he? And he actually released your first record, didn't he? This, yeah. And Dave later went on to like Three Minute Mile Records. But what do you remember about Dave Spicer? Oh, a great guy. We all went to school together. He went to school, especially with my brother. And so him and Mike Hammersmart um, put together put together a subversive, subversive productions and put out the EP in 87. Yeah. And they were very supportive of the music scene, very supportive of us, punk kids. And, you know, do-it-yourself attitude, right? They, they were that attitude. Like, they had that. And we, you know, how could you not, you know, enjoy that, you know, and that camaraderie and... Pretty interesting that they chose you guys, that they were going to sink their money into first as well. Well, you know what? It is, but we were so tight back then, too, uh, as, a, as a team. Like, we'd see each other every weekend, you know. The kids were skating or were going to gigs, and we were always together. And as far as a band goes at that time, because we had a year or two on them, we were playing more shows. We had a little bit more support, I suppose. So they said, hey, man, let's, let's take some of your music and, and do this, right? Because, you know, like maybe at that time, I don't really recall, but I think there would have been a feeling that, you know, you guys are going to be around for a few more years. You're just not, mm. you know, going to be hanging out for like a couple of months and then calling it quits or whatever. And we're speaking here to Marco and Ray from Witch's Hammer, as well as Jason, who has just reissued on Supreme Echo, the brand new Witch's Hammer 7-inch, originally put out on 12-inch, on 12-inch. Right. So you went from 12 to 7 by Dave Spicer. But you, Ray, you didn't go to school in East Delta, did you? No. You I went... was already out of school. I was, I'm a few years older than Marco and these guys in the band. You went to, um, well, let's just put it this way. Did Mr. Charlton ever come to your gigs? Mr. Charlton? No. Not Who? that I know of. I went to school, I went to Templeton in East Van. What about your, what about, how accepting was the Croatian community to you guys? No, they hated it. Because there is a you know Croatian community center now, but did you ever try to get a hall gig? Was a Croatian hall for the get back then? No, not at all. How do you know they hated it? Um, my mom would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your mom hated it. We played we played in the Prismix basement for years. <laughs> she did not. Yeah, that's right. I got to give her man. Very supportive. Very supportive. Ray, are you still friends with? Dave Renzulu or Sam Pantuza? No, I don't even know those names. What about the band Slam? 
Do you remember the band Slam? Yeah, I do. I do remember that band, yeah. Because they were from your high school. What do you remember that's about... right, yeah. I had their record. Yeah, and that's pretty exciting, like a band from your high school. Were there other bands from your high school? There was Slam. What are the other bands from your high school? Like There was East Van Halen. <laughs> they were from high school, too. That's great. Um... I can't remember. I remember this, the um, the scissors. Yeah, scissors. They were from East Van, and that's about it. That's a long time ago, man. And Glenn Clark was also from your school, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, he went to Notre Dame actually. Yeah, he went to. I went to school with him. He was but a couple you, years older than me. You were also in the band Monolith. Yeah, basically just a basement band. I don't think we did any gigs. We're going to do one or two gigs, but I don't, maybe not more than that. What gig were you doing when uh, I seen you guys when you went to Siaquam with your brother and you were uh, doing all those uh, precision crotch thrusts with your shirt off <laughs> there and the girls were throwing the roses oh, at I you? I don't even remember that. Oh, come on, well, man. It might have been Monolith. I don't Oh, Jesus. I don't it's a, well, that was where you got your precision sh- crotch. Marco, what did Ray look like in Monolith? What did Ray look like in Monolith? There was some face paint involved, wasn't yeah, yeah. there? Face paint, shirtless. <laughs> And, Still pretty uh, badass, though. A lot of male nudity and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and a lot of screaming girls. And there were some bullet belts, right? I don't know if he had the bullet belts. He probably did. No, I don't I didn't think have the bullet belt. Yeah. I never had a bullet belt until I went to Toronto. Good God, man! In yeah. Victoria, I kind of alluded to this earlier, and so did Jason about the broken toilets in Victoria. Did Jesus Bonehead give you some hallucinogenics before the gig in Victoria when you played in Victoria a long time ago? No comment. Because I noticed you guys were released on Iron Bonehead Records, which is close to Jesus Bonehead, kind of. No correlation at all. When, yeah. when you were coming up, Witch's Hammer, Dave Spicer put out the 12-inch, but you had some offers. Like, what did you have an offer from? Did you have an offer from Combat Records? Yeah, we did have some. Of Combat, yeah, yeah we, had, we had some, um, but they were terrible. Like, you know, basically, you know, here, we're going to throw this down. You sign it, and then we're just going to slave you out for like, you know, 52 five months, years for yeah, five years. It's very uh, much the same story with Mission to Christ. You know? uh, yeah. just like, there's no way I would sign something like that. You know, it's like, no. Actually, Hughes told us to stay away from the guy. Yeah. And Interesting. That's right. Who was your manager at the time? Was it Norm- Normality from Collectors? He did become, yeah. Yeah. What do you remember about that era of the having, you know, normality? Who put out all those amazing undergrowth t- cassettes? Go on, Ray. You were pretty tight with Norm. You got, you kind of got him involved with us at that time. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he tried to push us forward and, you know, get, you know, get us gigs and stuff. And I mean, he. Uh, I mean, did his best, whatever. But I mean, we weren't very marketable, or you know. We didn't try to be, that's for sure. No, exactly, yeah. We weren't, like, we didn't fit into any mold, so... And the the sort of the death sense, which is Hammer Gigs, kind of peered off, right? They kind of... People stopped going to gigs, and then... Well, the yeah. the reason why that all came about, and Norm would probably agree, because I remember having discussions about it, is what was happening in the late 80s, when we finally called it a day with this band, and I went on to join another band, yeah. was that that whole tight scene... You know, the, the the years between 13, the ages of 13 and 19, people change and people start factioning off into different ideals. How young were you in Witch's Hammer? Just I started go back. writing those songs when I was 13. And how about you, Ray? 
When I met Marco, I was 20. Yeah. And when did it end? When did How old were you when it ended? 1989, 1990 is about official. Yeah. yeah. Around. I was probably 28. Yeah, I was around 20 or something like that. Like that, yeah. yeah, but um, what was going on is you'd go to a gig and you'd play a gig, and the violence was getting so extreme, less and less people would come to the shows, and the only people yeah. that would stay at the shows were the kids who were looking for trouble. Mm-hmm. And so it, it came to a point where before it was like you know you take your girl, you take her friend, her take you, and you all show up at the show and you have a great time and you meet a bunch of people, make some new friends, and blah 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 blah, blah and have an excellent time at the show, see some new music. It became a uh, a rather daunting place to be to be at a club knowing that you're going to show up with your girl. She might get a bottle over the head. You're going to get no fight. This this is not a good night, right? It actually wasn't any different in Victoria. Uh, no, it was, I would, it was I the say, same. Yeah, really it was. And so it became something that I didn't r- particularly enjoy anymore, going to play a show, looking out in the crowd, and just seeing people fighting rather than, you know, the com- the camaraderie of, uh, you know, what we used to call slamming, slam dancing, and then the anthrax geeks calling them uh, mosh pits and all that kind of crap. But anyways, so... Uh, you know that that violence that just just going out to injure and hurt each other that viciousness really destroyed that whole scene for quite a while and so we couldn't go like where we just go and play with death sentence and sfu and it was a great night now we'd go and play with death sentence and the skinheads would be in the middle there'd be all these long-haired guys over here getting punched out the punk rockers would get their asses kicked and who the hell wants to hang out and do that it's just not a good time did the skinheads have names did you remember the actual names like fifi do you remember fifi yeah of course I, of course i remember him yeah yeah i remember him because he used to steal people's shoes yeah yeah fifi was uh, quite the character so yeah, he was a guy. but would fifi suddenly turn mean but he was friendly well he you know Everybody was pretty young at that time, too, and just, you know. I, I would say that he was uh, quite an intimidating character, and he could be quite the bully, even though he was a nice guy to me. I didn't have problems with him, but that scene, you know, when he was with the other, those character, that character, you know, of, of people that are looking to get loaded and fight, um, They'll kill a show just, and they'll kill it. They'll, they'll kill a gig. They'll kill a scene like real quick. Did they want to kill you when you were loading out your gear? Like no. afterwards, only no. during, like after, like no, they I, did. No, no, no. We, I got along with those people just fine. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, I didn't get hassled. I didn't get hassled. It was the people in the crowd that were getting hassled, sitting too close. You know, you're with that girl. She's a pretty girl. I'm jealous. I'm gonna beat the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. Whatever, right? You know, I'm gonna take your beer because I feel like doing it. This kind of, this kind of, you know, childish. Teenage bullying. angst, high testosterone levels, not knowing how to how to deal with it, and just acting foolish. And we're speaking here to Marco and Ray from Witch's Hammer on CITR as well. We have Jason from Supreme Echo. What do you think, Ray, about the Supreme Echo taking an interest in Witch's Hammer? How did you first hear of Jason? How did Jason proposition himself? <laughs> <laughs> I got down on my knees and no, he prayed. What do you think? Um, Jason got a hold of me, like, I think back in the MySpace days. That's when I first met yeah. you, I think, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And yeah, because I had those photos. Pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the Victoria show. And then, you know, years later, lose contact, blah, blah, blah. And then recently he just came up with this. And I guess when we decided to do more music, and then Jason contacted us that he wanted to do this. And we said, cool, let's do it. And then he's done a really good job. It's the package is unbelievable. The book and. 
That's really the history nice. of the bands and other things. It just looks awesome. Thank you. It looks really cool, and I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Ray, it still from... amazes me that people are still showing interest in this music. But you've played, you've played a whole bunch of festivals, like in Vancouver, in Berlin. It's not really surprising, is it? Like you've the le- How do people know which is Hammer? What do they know about Vancouver metal? How did they find out about Vancouver metal? Well, they know a lot about it because people are pretty nostalgic these days about the past because that kind of music has been around for a long time now, right? Obviously, in 83, yeah. 84, it was brand new and nobody knew anything about it. But as the 80s rolled on and more and more bands and bands became like Metallica and Testament and all these huge, massive bands, Slayer and whatnot, um, you know, 30, 40 years down the road, you're listening to those groups and you're thinking, hmm, what, what can I discover about this music that I like? So you start digging in, digging deeper, digging in, and you start pulling back those... Those onion, on, you pu- start pulling back skins of the onion. You start discovering all these other bands, right? And like, I want to check this out. And I want to check that out. And before you know it, you find all these demos you're collecting. And you know, a lot of people are into the the Canadian metal sound. That's a thing. It it really is it at is. this point. It really has a very high regard. Like mm-hmm. you know, when you think of you know, for example, you know, black metal is is pretty. I would even say trendy at this point. You know, and some of the black metalers from Scandinavia, like. They have done, you know, covers of Canadian metal songs and mm-hmm. stuff like this. And, you know, and the Nuclear War Now, the other label, and, and Iron Bonehead that have focused on Witch's Hammer as well. I mean, I couldn't believe, you know, when I saw these releases they'd done. I mean, you know, people love uh, Canada's, you know, yeah. sound. There's how, a f- there's how did Ivan hear of you? Ivan. Who's Ivan? Ivan is a big fan of Witch's Hammer from Europe, I think. I, I don't know. How, how would... So you were saying... How uh, has YouTube helped? Obviously, or did people know before YouTube? When did resurgence really happen? Well, I, I what what really um, blew blew me away at one time when when the web started getting really big, you know, and it started blowing like up. Like Metallica covered the Misfits. Yeah. So what was your Misfits moment? Well, you know, m- my Misfits moment is when uh, Earth AD came out, not when Metallica covered it. But um, ba boom. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, what I. Uh, noticed was our our stuff was coming up i'd see it on on early ebay and stuff and i'd see it in germany and i was like wow they have our stuff in germany i didn't know i didn't know that people in italy had it i didn't know that people i knew in australia had it or in south america and that's another thing like there's certain scenes that have this great following like you look at the brazil metal scene massive scene right massive following all over the world italian metal german swedish death metal um you know finland norway of course um, Japan and Canada, like the, there's these certain scenes around the world that people follow religiously and they love it for because it has a different style. There's a little, little bit of a different dialectic going on, but with the same kind of mission, you know, this kind of heavy, abrasive, um, bombastic kind of artistic and integrity to this uh, sound that they live and love so much. Real camaraderie, actually. There is a lot. Yeah. How rare is this? Very rare. What is what am I showing you, Marco? This is to the, the listeners. This is our first demo. We recorded it in late 1984, and it came out in 1985. And you have it in minty, yes. crispy, it's perfect amazing. condition, Nargor, my man. That is a really rare Beautiful. item. Beautiful. And what that. is on that release? Tulsa Doom, Rubbed Copter. Oh, I love that. Song. Frozen God, Witch's Hammer, Frozen God, and Witch's Hammer. Gorgon and Mantle of Death. Man, I remember playing that song for the first time. What year was that? That This was released in 85. We recorded it in late 84. And Ray of Witch's Hammer, going back to 85, did you guys at one time find a body in Witch's Hammer on the tracks in yes. New West? Yes, we did. 
What happened? Calgary too. What yeah. happened there? It, what happened there and in Calgary? I'll tell you about the know. one in New West because yeah. I think I remember it better because I remember bringing it up and you guys are like, oh yeah. Okay, I'll show you the photo. See this photo? Right, the centerpiece for the Jason Flowers release of the '87 EP. We're all on a rooftop in New West on Front Street. Used to be a rough, really rough area back in those days. A lot of bars down there. The tugboat guys and stuff would get be drinking down there. Just as an aside, did you ever play the North Burnaby Inn? Speaking of Glen we Clark, didn't, we didn't play there. Okay, no. go ahead. Yeah. I, I did behind there. I did work there though. Uh, yeah, and Ray, you lived real close. But anyways, so yeah. this photo at this point, you see the way these two fellows are looking off to the left. We're getting kicked off the building at that point. The guy's like, "Hey man, you got to get off this building." And as we're coming down the ladder, I look, or Steve Withrow looks and goes, there's a dude lying on the tracks, right? So we scuttle down there and we kind of poke at him a little bit with a stick, as you do. And uh, yeah, sure enough, he wasn't moving. He'd expired. So, you know, we decided to get the hell out of there real quick. And that's what we did. And you mentioned, Ray, also the same thing happened in Calgary? Yeah, uh, yeah we were playing the, the National Downtown Calgary 1987. Rough. And uh, this is a little tour that Normality put on for us. And uh, we were, um, we wake up the next morning, and uh, the cops are all around our van. Me and Norm and uh, I can't remember who else slept in the hotel with a bunch of guys slept in the van. I think it was Dana was in there, too. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, lo and behold, the hooker had uh, stabbed a guy to death that didn't pay him and shoved the body underneath our van while everybody's sleeping in the van. And there's cops everywhere, and everybody's wondering what the hell's going on. They're questioning everybody, and I don't uh, know. We didn't see anything. Blah blah blah. <laughs> that place was hell, so man. Was, yeah. yeah, that place was, was wild. Yeah, the guy got his finger shot off. You remember that guy when we were eating in, uh, breakfast in the little uh, cafe? And he came running. He got shot through the hand. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. <laughs> Great gig. And yeah. also, wasn't there a house party, Ray, that was involved death too? Yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's happened. Yeah, yeah, that happened. That was yeah. that was brutal. Again, it was one of those things, mid-80s, where uh, these people just didn't like this kind of music. And they took it upon themselves to show up, uh, and a big group of them, and start just punching out kids and stuff like that. And, uh, the were you playing a house party? Yes, we were playing. And they started grabbing our instruments and stuff. And what happened was uh, these kids all rose up and started fighting back. And it spilled out onto the street as we were playing. And sure enough, you know, one kid hit his head, went under a flatbed truck, actually. It was oh, really brutal. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he got taken out. But, again, you know, um, it, it, was, uh, it was violent, right? So uh, I, no I, reason. I kind of expected that a lot back in those days, you know, because <laughs> going to school back in those days, you know, and, and, but maybe you don't know. But going back to school then, it was a pretty rough thing to do. You know, you put your Dayton's on, you, you had your uh, shiv in your pocket, your brass knuckles, and you, you know, you, after school you were gonna, you're probably you know, or on the weekend, you know, you're gonna hit it pretty hard and be throwing throwing down with somebody, right? Or that you know, somebody's gonna try to steal your lunch money. So it was just kind of par for the course. So when we started playing a music that we knew that certain kinds of people were, you know, they'd peaked in high school. They peaked in high school, and they really didn't like that, you know, because now they weren't going to get laid anymore. So, 
they, they, they tried to strike back. And um, what would happen is, you know, they'd see that we weren't just a bunch of pushovers. We were pretty serious about what we were doing. We liked being who we were, and we liked cre- being the creators of a certain style and a certain scene and a certain sound. And, you know, we weren't going to take that kind of bullshit. And unfortunately, sometimes things got worse than they should have. But, I mean, what can you say? But um, being young and being foolish has its uh, cost too, right? It's great, though, that Jason is documenting a lot of the stuff in a booklet mm-hmm. for Witch's Hammer. It's an amazing package that Jason has put together. I love the booklet. And also, thank you very much, Ray, from Witch's Hammer, for phoning into the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. We are just about to have another phone call from Mike from... Armorous. Uh, what can you say about Armorous, Ray? What can you say about Armorous? Armorous. Uh, great bunch of guys. Great band. Um, just loved them. Mike's a great guy. Good musicians. Mm-hmm. Another band that started the scene in Victoria and should get more praise than they got and should have a book written about them themselves and what they did for the metal scene in BC in general. Mm-hmm. And you remember awesome. playing with them with the accused? You played with them and the accused? Yeah, they played with them and the accused, and we played with them at the, uh, the gig in uh, Victoria. Also with Carrion. And also, yeah, also, and uh, they also played with Carrion, that's right. And they also played our with us in our last gig at the Smile and Bullet. That show in Carrie, with Carrion was the very first all-local band playing extreme metal. Great group yeah. as well. That was the very first one. 1986. Anything you'd like to add to the people out there at all, Ray, about Witch's Hammer? Why should people care about Witch's Hammer? Um, why should they care about Witch's Hammer? Yeah, why should they care? <laughs> why do they? <laughs> that's what I well, said. Why do they care? Yeah, that's a better <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know. Why should they care about DOA? Why should they care about anybody? It's just, if you, if you dig it, cool. If you don't... It's art, man. It's it earnest, art, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's you art. hear it's real. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for much, Ray. Keep on rocking in the free world. And doot, 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 doot. Doot, Thank you. Thanks.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with witches. Hammer. Hammer. And what did we hear right there, Marco? What did we hear? What did we hear? That was Armorous off their first demo. And what can you say about that song that we heard? I love it. Me too. I always like that demo. And right now we have a caller. Who are you, caller? Who are you? I am uh, Mike Sudar, uh, from founding member of Armorous. Armorous! What did we hear there, Mike? What did we hear there? Uh, I, hear, I believe you heard Forbidden Zone. By Armorous. And what do you, Mike, remember about... Uh, well, actually, where are you from? Where are you from? I'm born and raised in uh, Victoria, B.C., here, the capital city of uh, British Columbia. And, uh, yeah, I, I lived in Vancouver briefly, uh, just near the, the near tail-end rise of Armorous kind of uh, deciding to leave the uh, the island uh, to move forward with uh, supposedly our success, but uh, which was unfortunately our demise also uh, in the late 80s. What do you remember, uh, Mike? Uh, what do you remember about Witch's Hammer, the relationship between Armoros and Witch's Hammer? What do you remember about Witch's Hammer, the police oh, man, escort? I, do you remember the police it, escort? I, I remember... Uh, being at the Fernwood uh, Community Hall, getting our sound check ready for this very first uh, epic show. Uh, you know, like we're stoked. We, we had no idea what to expect, and we thought we were pretty badass. You know, like things were going really well for Armors, and then all of a sudden, the Witch's Hammer Boys pulled up, and uh, they looked fucking ten times more badass than us, and uh, way longer hair, and uh, really intimidating. But uh, <laughs> they were. They totally looked scary. <laughs> They they did man and uh, we they're they're just the coolest cats and we just all got along and we formed a long bonding friendship over our mutual like of fucking speed metal. That's right. Oh, I asked. Hope us- I didn't get bleeped. <laughs> I, no, that's fine. And we're speaking again to Mike from Armoros as well as we have Marco from Witches Hammer and yeah. Jason from Supreme Echo Records. Was it, was it a successful gig? And I asked this before, if the toilets were destroyed. Were the toilets destroyed at the Fernwood Community Center? Um, I, I think there was all kinds of damage uh, done and evoked several times, and I, I'm actually shocked that they let us have another show. Um, but I guess wow. the money was, like, the attendance was really well, like, beyond what we could had have expected it for, especially when times were so different because you didn't have the internet and you didn't have, like, it was just word of mouth, really. And uh, flyers. It was and, hard uh, to get a show back then. Like a lot of times, I tried to rent a hall back then, and a lot of the hall owners would say, "Oh, some metal band wrecked the hall. You weren't allowed in here." So to you to be allowed back in the Fernwood, that is amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. And then you know, we it went on to other places. There was a place called the OAP Hall, and that place no longer exists. But uh, there was lots of uh, continued violent events there, also. There sure and, were. Uh, I, I, yeah, it was it was a crazy time, man. Like the thrash metal was a, a little bit different for sure because you still had that kind of separatism of punk and metal, but they, they were so similar, and, and you know half your friends were bonding and half your friends weren't, and it was an interesting time. You, you never know who you're going to turn around and somebody was going to get their face smashed in. Mm-hmm. Now, Marco, which is Hammer? Did you get a police escort off Vancouver Island? Yeah, they just. Obviously, as we were leaving. Why you? 
Well, because we were the band that had to leave. We, we, uh, How did he know that? <laughs> How come not Armrose? I guess we had the van that said, um, I don't know, BC license plate, and we were heading that way. So they go, all right, you guys, just get out. We're, you know, I, I don't really recall exactly why they escorted us to the ferry. But obviously Mike and them would have just said, well, shit, we're just going home. Because you guys yeah. were scarier looking than Armourist. Well, that's who knows. And, yeah, you, that's and you, Jason, you were at that show? I was at that show. What do you remember about that show? It was the first uh, gig I ever went to. And Punk? Um, uh, at all. I, well, I might have gone to a show at the Rat's Nest prior to that. I'm not sure. Uh, and I was I was probably one of the youngest people there as well. And uh, the, the organizer of it, John Hercock, who you got to give a lot of props to for his contribution to promoting metal uh, in Victoria and in the scene in general, he, he put on that show with Lauren Wright. And my father drove me. I mean, I was 12 or 13 years old. And he came right up to John. He wanted to meet the organizer. And he went up to him point blank and he said... You take good care of my son. But this was like a threat more than anything. You know, but John didn't care. You know, he's like, yeah, whatever. No, it was a it was a totally wild show. I remember Tantrum, I remember Armor, so I remember Bitch's Hammer. You know, it was it was a lot of people. That's the thing about the shows back then. You're talking about pre internet, you know, it, it it was a lot of people because what else are you gonna do? You know? It's all these freaks, you're all feeling alienated and you all join together in camaraderie because of your alienation. Mm-hmm. Mike from Armrose, Christ Knife, Christ Knife. Oh yeah, yeah. What was Christ Knife? Uh, it was you know it, it was that was just primarily uh, what Terry and myself were going by with um, our original drummer, also or sorry, bass player uh, Todd Birch. You're listening, hey there, brother. Um, and yeah, we we were just uh, a three piece at the time, and we were just like looking for a singer, and we were just that name came up. I don't know, like I was reading reading a lot of like. Uh, Terry Brooks, uh, Sword of Shannara kind of stuff around then. So it was just, it was kind of like that fantasy uh, theme. You came over to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and you competed in a battle of the bands, but you lost to Vancouver's Ogre? Ogre from Vancouver featuring ex-members of Slow Ogre? Yeah, I believe so, and uh, yeah, I'd say that it was rigged. The fix was in no, for kidding. sure. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. We, we we were happy to come in second, man. Like we're we're the Vancouver Island band, and uh, yeah, and even to be you know considered an accepted uh, kind of music genre because you know lots of people didn't understand the thrash metal back then. Although Ogre wore loincloths. <laughs> yeah, and the wigs apparently too. <laughs> Now, what's that? Way curly hair then. What's that at the Stardust Roller Rink? Because you were in a battle of bands there, weren't you, Marco? That's right. What happened there? Oh, as usual. Uh, we Because <laughs> you were disqualified for causing a minor riot. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened, yeah. We, we, it was great. It was a fantastic night. The place was packed. And uh, it was weird because they still kept... <laughs> Man, you know the scene was young then when they kept the rolling the roller skating going on the full night. So kids are roller skating with families while this bloody thrash speed metal is going on. There's like, you know, a couple hundred kids jumping off the stage and beating the living crap out of each other. And these poor kids were getting <laughs> the gravitational pull was pulling them in as they're doing their curve <laughs> and they're coming into this ah and then they're like flying out, you know, and over the boards and it turned into a hockey game, man. It was, it was, uh, and so, you know, after about an hour, hour of us playing, I was, you guys got to go and, you know, being young and crazy, we're like, yeah, well, you're going to have to kick us out. So yeah, then it hit the fan again. And 
Yeah, but a great night. It was fun. A lot of fun. Mike, you also played with the accused at the Lux Theater. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, we got to actually play with them quite quite possibly. Uh, there's so many cool times I've had with the accused, um Wishhammer, um who else do we play with? Carrion. Yeah, Carrion you guys played with. Yeah. Long live Carrion. What can you say um, about Carrion? Sorry, what's up? What can you say about Carrion from Vancouver? Well, I don't know. I would, I would kind of. It was like uh, you're slightly breaking up, Mike. This you're slightly breaking up now. Are you still there, Mike? Mike is disappearing. Well, I can I can tell you something about. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's amazing. That was well, cool. <laughs> he finally went back to hell, man. Well, <laughs> well while we guess, recreate, while realize. we reconnect with Mike, let's play some Carrion yeah! right now. Remastered. This is coming out. This Th- is my next release, along with Mission of Christ. From Vancouver. British Columbia. From North Del- They're from North Delta. <laughs> that- We have Mike back. Hello, Mike. Are you back? Yeah, I, I certainly hope I am. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on. No, no, no problem. But we heard a <laughs> tiny bit of carrion there. We heard a bit of carrion. Yeah. That was a real teaser. And wh- you were going to say, Marco, what can you say about carrion? Carrion was a cool band. Uh, Sean Pitts, their guitar player, their main guy that started the band, he originally in 84 and early 85. No, sorry, in 85, after our demo, he came in as a second guitar player the first time we went for a second guitar player and he joined our band. But after six months, it wasn't working out. We, we like the sound better with just one guitar still. We just like that bass in the, behind the uh, crappy solos. So he says, oh, okay, I'll call it a day. And he went and started carrying. And, you know, a year later, he's like, here's my band. And they live basically around the corner from where I grew up. And, uh, yeah, great band. I liked them. Absolutely. And, again, we're speaking to Marco from Witches Hammer, as well as Mike from Armoros from Victoria. From Victoria. Right, Mike? Hello. Were there any other metal bands on the scene back then? Well, well yeah. The, we had a, a really good uh, friendship also with uh, Forced Entry in Seattle, um, who we, we gigged quite a bit with too and uh and the accused like there was quite often shows together which was really exciting like the because uh, the uh tacoma scene was pretty epic uh it was on full tilt there good great attendances and and they appreciated all types of music at that time they were very open what is the closest you got to kurt cobain was he going to see was he going to see armoros yeah i heard he was actually going to sign us and manage us at one point uh, Totally kidding. I, I I didn't even know who he was at that time. I don't I don't think. But and, you did, what were the other bands from Victoria though? What were the other bands from Victoria that were well, metal? We were, were you the only metal band from Victoria? Well, we were we were the first one, you know, to approach the extreme like speed kind of thing. But Mission of Christ, you know, some would argue were you know more in the punk thing. But I, I think. You know that all that that was bridging all together. Like there was a fine line between the difference of it, really. You know, um, and um, who else did we play with at the time? I'm trying to think of their name right now. Um, 
What about Steve McBean and Black Mountain? Have you seen him recently? Have you talked to him I about have, Mission of Christ? I have not. I have not talked to him since the Mission of Christ days, but and I, I, I haven't heard the Black Mountain. I've heard very good things about it, and I think that's epic that he is getting the success he has had. With Armoros, you were the first band to pose for pictures at the Oak Bay Cemetery? No, Ross Bay. Ross Bay Cemetery. Oh, sorry. Well, well, perhaps. I, I, I guess we were. Like that was before blasphemy, apparently. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just you know it was it was right by our manager's uh, house at the top, Lake McKenzie. Hills and shouts out to Blake if yeah. you're listening. Blake McKenzie. That's right. His, his was pivotal in our band. I mean, we wouldn't have gotten the uh, the move that without them, but. It, you're breaking up again, Mike. You're slightly breaking up again. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Is that any better? Um, it could be an indication that I've dragged this on too long, but I was going to say, Mike, where can people find Armoros now? Like, you've been reissued by Brazilian label? A Brazilian label? Uh, well, we were reissued a Brazilian label, uh, I guess, five to six years ago. It's actually, you can find us now with German label, uh, High Roller Records. Superb label. Excellent, excellent yeah. label. But your guys' box set, the box package. set is fantastic. It is. Awesome. And, yeah. la- and later on, you played with Strapping Young Lad, right? Uh, well, I did. I, I just got the, just when he was like, starting things out and he was putting a lineup together, uh, I did a very short stint. It, it was like, it was before, you know, he, he was getting any kind of uh, rise with that. And, uh, I, I became a father in a long time, and I just couldn't pay the bills yet, so I, I had to bow out gracefully. And, and it was a shame because then, you know, he picked up Byron, and he got Gene Hoglin there, and, and I was just like, wow, what an epic lineup that would have been to be a part of. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was just the way that, you know, the universe lined up things. How did you I, find I, him? How did you find Evan? I just this was all through Jed because Jed was uh, already uh, doing, you know, uh, bits and pieces of the album with him, and they had, you know, friendship through their own alliance through caustic thought because they were both guitar players for that band and uh you know it was just like Devin's like hey let's look at getting another guitar player and jed was just like he just coached me you know he i videotaped him with show me the riffs and then i just showed up and Devin walked in without me knowing and he was just kind of like after he heard us playing he was just like you're hired let's do this and uh yeah it was a really crazy crazy time it just was yeah, too early, and uh, yeah, there was no money. <laughs> what can you say finally about Witch's Hammer? What can you say about Witch's Hammer? Witch's Hammer. And the reason yeah. I said that is like Gerald Rattlehead and Metal Ron from CITR intro. Gerald Rattlehead introed Witch's Hammer the first time I saw them, and he said, Witch's Hammer, and I never forgot that. Yeah, I, I remember, hey, Gerald, I, I say hi to him too, and Ron, and haven't seen you guys in decades. Uh, hope all is well. Um, well, Witch's Hammer, I, one word all I can say is brotherhood. Um, I've been uh, really close with those guys. Uh, they were definitely like family, and, and the Prismic family really embraced me, uh, which was really cool because um, I was actually there Croatian, and uh, I still remember, you know, Ray 
and John coaching me. It, it'll be okay. Our, my dad's going to be a little quiet with you, but everything will be fine. And we had some wonderful meals together. And right, and right now, Mike, we're going to actually cut into some Mission of Christ. Some Mission of Christ. What can you say about Mission of Christ? I, you know, I to mentioned before, but we're going to play Love Lust by Mission of Christ. Awesome, man. Like I, I, uh, From Victoria. Yeah, they were they were uh, another like local brotherhood. Um, uh, there, there's so much interweavings with Mission of Christ. Like Mike Sinek was, at one point came to try to sing for Armorous. We you know like we we all built a kinship through that scene. And uh, forever metal, my friends, forever metal. Well, thanks so much, Mike from Armorous. Keep on rocking in a free world and do do loot do. Do do. Do you guys love that?
hopefully you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show with Witches Hammer and Jason Flower from Supreme Echo Records, who has reissued a whole bunch of Witches Hammer. And what did we hear, Jason? We just heard uh, Mission of Christ with the song Love Lust, which will be is remixed. Uh, it's actually never been heard before uh, outside of uh, a few members of the band that remix. That's the very first time. So that appears on the soon-to-be-released Silence in Grave uh, discography album. And we are live here at CITR Radio, who gets actually a shout-out basically from Witch's Hammer. Sure enough, and to my surprise, it reached a radio station, and we all listened religiously. Was that CITR? So Meta Ron and Gerald Radahead, right, yeah. thank you, thank you for preserving that. Um, also, we have Jason here from Supreme Echo. What is this cassette all about, Jason? Random it's a rare thought. from the from the CATR Record Library. Wow, yeah, this is not something that you see often or turns up. This is one of two volumes, uh, an overview of really a real eclectic overview of underground and independent music from Victoria from the mid '80s. It was actually put together by um oh my god rick andrews from uh funhouse who i think you with the goblins performed live at funhouse records and lyle's helped put that out as well oh, they, like, they record didn't, store. Oh, that's right you know lyle's did a few things they also did red tide back in the day and, and oh, did they? Well, they also financed armorous stuff they were supporters of Armorous. They, and, they really and, saw And thank you, Mike, for phoning in. Absolutely. Mike from Armorous. Now, you, Jason, basically, this is kind of like a douche question. Uh-oh. But this is a douche question, but, but basically, you know, a parental type question. But why do you do this? Like, there isn't any money in it, but why do you put out all these bands? You would, like, slave away 24-7 <laughs> to put out these records, but there is no money. Why do you do it? I have such a love for music. It's just, it's such a deep, deep passion. You know, I opened a store a few years ago. I I don't uh, dislike anything about it. Well, some of the customers maybe coming in regularly, but uh, why do I do it? I think it needs to be documented. Uh, for me, subculture in general, uh, something to the alternative of mainstream society, the more that we document it, uh, the more legend we create around our, our, our environment that we live in. So the more reference points that I can leave behind long after we've all left this earth, people can refer back to it. And I, I think that when you look at stuff retrospectively, uh, you see things differently and you can take it more seriously. So that's why the booklets are so important and it's important to be accurate in them. We also have a Marco from Witch's Hammer here, and Witch's Hammer also had an appearance on a Kim Kinnikin cassette compilation. Kim Kinnikin, Kim Kinnikin. Another name, Kim Kinnikin from Sparkmarker. What can you say about Kim Kinnikin and the cryptic compost compilation that you were on? Kim was great. He was a great photographer and really involved in our in the whole music uh, scene back in the day put out the compilation was putting on shows his band was doing well he was just very like jason but on a much younger level and really involved with promoting 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 and you know just the same kind of idea just liked and loved music he put out the mission of christ fratricide record right yeah and and the crimp the compost was really cool you know and that's that's a i really love that that uh, tape actually there's some cool Mm -hmm. stuff on there Black Knight, another metal band from Vancouver, they end up writing Bruce Allen. They wrote Bruce Allen a letter. What happened with Witch's Hammer? What brought Witch's Hammer to an end? You know, the 
how come the Bruce Allen dreams died? Or we whatever? never had Bruce Allen dreams. No, no, our, our, that was, uh, it was, you know. Did, were you presented with any Bruce Allen type dreams? No, it was our, our, was our musical revolution, man. Like that was what we wanted to do. My whole thing was creating something different than what everybody else was doing. I found a niche that I enjoyed and that was mine and mine alone. You know, you kind of fall ass backwards into it, but I hung on to it and I loved it because I knew that if you hated it, I was doing something right. So the people that dug it, I knew that I could hang with those people because they understood it's artistic, and more than that, it's music. And, it, and if you want to come and you want to come and enjoy it, come and enjoy it, and let's have a good time. And um, that was it. That was my whole aspiration behind it. There was nothing like, oh, we're going to go on tour and conquer the world. No, no, no. I had no aspirations for that. I didn't. What about your next band? Did you do the Chargers after that? That was uh, yeah. You know what? Um, I was. Working a lot back then, and I run into Steve. He bought a place close by my house, the bass player from Witch's Hammer, and we just started jamming, and then we just recorded it. And we think we like, should we put a name on this? What should we call it? Called Chargers West drew a little cover, and that was it. Oh, and the drummer from Procreation played the drums on it. Wow. I think we did it in like a week. Did huh. you play hall gigs? Was it the same type of band as Witch's Hammer? The Chargers? Yeah. No, we never did any shows. We we it lasted like a few weeks. And eventually, Tyrant's Blood reared its head. Mm -hmm. Did you play sh hall shows? We did a lot. Whereabouts? We did a lot of shows in Vancouver. We did a European tour. We played South America, and uh, which yeah. is incredible. Yeah, it was fun. And funky winter winker beans, we right? We played funky winker beans. That's right. I'd love to comment <laughs> on a YouTube video that you did, "Crushing Onward into Oblivion" yeah. by Tyrant's Blood, right. Marco's band, after Witch's Hammer. And this is a comment. Use Google Translate. It was I had to use Google Google Translate, and it said, "Great presence in the twelfth edition of Lucifer Rising." Hail Satan! Jesus Christ! That is quite a comment. Yeah, that is quite a comment. But with Witch's Hammer, you've reunited and played gigs, like first gig in like twenty nine years, the Confident Festival, like. A whole bunch of stuff. Like, how can people reach you? And you brought me a shirt and some records, Brutal Alberta. You know, how can people contact you? or get it's, it's so easy to reach me. Like, people, you know, on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I'm easy to reach. It, you know, this scene is huge and it's tight and everybody knows everybody else. And if you want something or you need something, I mean... If you can't find it on eBay, well, shit, maybe I'll go right to the source. I'll just go on Facebook and, oh, there's Witches Hammer the Band. And I can contact them directly and I can get whatever I want. I can talk to them. I can ask what's coming up. I mean, it's so easy these days, right? Right right now we're in the process of all our old cassette tapes that we didn't record and make an album out of. We're putting those songs together to record an album. And that's what we're doing right now. We don't actually have any shows coming up because I want to actually get this project this first one done because there's a lot of material on cassettes and you know some of it's pretty sketchy and it's epic man those busted. songs are long like that yeah. I, or I remember one long song it was yeah. just it's like progressive Witch's Hammer you yeah. know and how about you Jason how do people get a hold of the brand new Witch's Hammer and you have done a whole bunch of bands like private school yeah so Big cool. Cartel Bandcamp um, Big Cartel is probably the best place. Uh, the fees are less, uh, cheaper prices, discogs, and certainly Instagram and Facebook are great And people ways. want to get a hold of the physical because yeah. of an amazing booklet. So Neptune is the best place to go. Um, there's been 10 copies dropped off hopefully today, which is a refill. They, they've been just blazing through them. And uh, it will eventually as well be available at Red Cat. 
I love in the back of the booklet, it says additions and edits by Jason Flower, but edits by Frank Manley and designed by Andy Graffiti. Yeah, yeah. Andy from? Which, uh, from Wasted Lives, uh, geez, uh, AKA, um, DOA even. I mean, tons and tons of bands. And you got him to lay down. Yeah, I've got a great posse right now. I'm pretty proud. And edits by Frank Manley? Oh yeah, that's, that's no small feat. Yeah, he's a good friend. And right now, we're going to end the show. Uh, the second song we're going to play is you playing at 14, Jason? Yeah, I'm 14. The other people are 13. What is the name of the band? We're called Dementia, which was an homage to Armorous, in fact, because they had a song called Dementia. Um, you know, the, the metal bands that were active at that time in Victoria and, and, you know, in Vancouver, not a lot of them were into, you know, the really extreme Black Death stuff. I mean, you look at Witch's Hammer, they were the first. It's not like they found other bands that identified with them. And much the same for us. So we never even played live. But an interesting side note is it's got Sam Dunn in it, who's a, a music anthropologist who's done many, many very famous uh, films on the anthropology of, of metal itself. Sorry. So this is this is us at 14. And is this gonna Sam Dunn's on this? Oh, yeah, it's him playing bass. Oh, far out. Is this yeah. going to... Oh, the Encyclopedia... Yeah, what is his book? Uh, so he did Metal A Headbanger's Journey, the movie. He did Flight 666. Oh, Banger Films. Yeah, he's Banger Films. He also did the Rush documentary. Yeah, he didn't want uh, us to really cash in on that connection. He's like, you guys can do it, uh, but, you know, but don't. But really, what connection is there? Yeah. You know, it's the metal scene, right? The thing that I'm most proud about, proud about is this was released on Nuclear War Now, which is the same label that has, uh, I think, permanent rights to reproduce Blasphemy. When? And, and the Witch's Hammer when stuff. So this is f- recorded January 24th, 1988. So the song was written in 87. He issued it 10 years ago. A bit, no, 12 years ago now. But we're going to end with some Odds Crypt. What can you say about Odds Crypt, Marco? That was something we did on the side when we were uh, jamming in Mike uh, Death's basement at his parents' house. And it's um, guys from Procreation, Witch's Hammer, Fatal Hatred, and I think that's it. Yeah. I just, we just write. Oh, and uh, Todd Pitts, who played for Genghis Khan and um, False Witness. False Witness. Yeah, a very cool band, right? Yeah. Genghis Khan and False Witness. I'm hopeful we'll do an EP of this if we can gather enough material. You yeah, know? if I can find enough of it, it's, uh, you know. It's amazing still, that still you are documenting all the stuff there. Like, it's amazing that you are going through archives and finding the old witches' hammers, tapes. Yeah. Jason, you're doing this similar thing. Mm-hmm. I found my metal compilation that I had from the, I think, mid-'80s my friend gave. What, what can you say about this metal compilation? Metal yeah. Northwest Metal Fest. Holy Mark. far out, man. Look at who are these guys. I haven't heard of any of these bands. Death Wish. Metal Church. Oh, it's Metal Church. Oh, there we go. Oh, Mace. Yeah, Mace was cool, man. Of course, Metal Church. Awesome. It's interesting. They put the the two good bands last on side B. (laughs) They did. It's on YouTube if people want to check it out, too. The Northwest Metal Fest. But thank you very much, Jason, for helping document Witch's Hammer. Anything you want to add, Marco, about Witch's Hammer? Uh, You know what? We've talked about pretty much everything. We've talked about the beginning, the end, and what's coming up. So I think that's pretty damn cool. Why should people care about Witch's Hammer? Why should people care? <clears throat> I don't care what people care about Witch's Hammer. I just, I'm happy that people enjoy it. And if you don't like it, that's cool too. I'm here to do what I want to do. It's my artistic integrity. It's what I like to do. I like to play. I like to write. And that's the bottom line. 
And here we have Odds Crypt coming up with the song called Faces of Death, followed up by Dementia with Second Death. Wow, there's a lot lot of death. (laughs) I'm excited about this. Well, thank you very much, Witches Hammer and Jason from Supreme Echo. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-loot-do. Do-do-do. Thank you. 